0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Be the Leader You Deserve podcast, where my mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley, and I am so excited to be here with you today. Believe it or not, this is season seven, episode 26. You can't lead from the front office. All right, so today I am joined by Dr. Ryan Eckert, principal of Red Cedars Elementary, located in Cedar Lake, Indiana. Now, in addition to leading his own school, Ryan connects with leaders from all across the country as a digital literacy and school climate presenter and through his blog, A Day in the Life of an Educator. Welcome, Ryan.
1: Thank you so much, Jill. So excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you. Uh, I know we were chatting a little bit before we got started. Uh, Earlier in the season, um, I had uh, Ross Braun on, and I think when I asked that question of like, tell me some people that we should be connected with. I'm pretty sure your name came up on more than (laughs) one occasion. So I'm so excited that you're able to join us on the show today.
1: Yeah, so excited to be here and talk. And um, I've enjoyed listening to other guests that you've had, so I'm um, lucky to be part of it.
0: Well, so Ryan, as we get started, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and the school that you lead?
1: Sure. So I'm, I'm like you said, the principal principal of Red Cedars Elementary. Um, we're in Northwest Indiana, about 45 minutes um, south of Chicago. We have around 630 students. Um, the cool and, and probably most exciting thing is we are a brand new school this year, so our district is the third fastest growing district as far as enrollment goes in the state of Indiana. Oh, wow. And so we passed a referendum a couple of years ago, which um, we do in Indiana in order to have any building projects. So for the last 18 months, um, we were building a brand new um, third through fifth grade school. So we changed our configurations in our district. So now we have two K-2 buildings and then all of our kids come together starting at third grade. We're together third through fifth, and then they go to the middle school and then to the high school. So it's been a a huge um, undertaking and challenge and also very exciting at the same time. This is my 13th year as a school administrator, um, 19th year in education overall. Um, So I've had lots of great experiences, um, but this fall has definitely been a new and exciting, challenging one.
0: Now three through five, Ryan. Uh, talk to me because that's intriguing to me. Uh, my school is a K-5 school. Have you always been in kind of um, a setup that was a 3-5 or have you been K-5, K-2 before now?
1: Yes. So this is my very first time being 3-5. Um, I've always been either K-5 or K-4. Uh Um, So this is my first experience with not having the little, little kids, um, (laughs) which is, is completely different. I mean, you're not opening milks at lunch anymore. Um, But it, it just brings all kinds of different things. I was really excited about this opportunity because I'm big into, which we'll probably talk more about later, um, student leadership and empowering Mm -hmm. kids. And I just feel like third through fifth is such a great age where kids can take on more responsibilities and leadership roles and, um, really start to own the school themselves as the students. So, um, it's been fun so far.
0: Absolutely. I think that there are, um, as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, Ooh, that would be fun. You know, with that concentrated of only having three grades. So I think there there are pros to that. But then the other part is that must put a tremendous amount of pressure on the K2 schools to send them to you ready right like I I think about ready to read particularly for sure when you you house them in your own building you have that internal pressure for your own kiddos but when you know that if you're the K2 principal and and for example you're looking backwards to the K2 principals to say like what's going on here so so um, talk to me a little bit before we get started too just about what that um, that collaboration looks like between yourself and the K2 administrators
1: yeah so like I said, it's brand new. Um, so we're kind of just figuring it out as we go since mm-hmm. it's the first year um, and just having lots of conversation. Um, because we built a new school, we um, some teachers were, were moved from different buildings. Everyone had to apply for new jobs at the new school. Um, but we also with that have a ton of new staff for the district. So along with the pressure of The K-2 teachers, especially second grade, getting kids ready for third grade, we have a ton of teachers this year. They're just new to the district. So they're learning what we do in the district and how we do things in addition to helping get kids prepared. So there's a lot going on this year and just a lot of collaboration, like you said, between myself and the two K-2 principals um, and talking cross-grade wise as far as expectations that we have and, and what we want kids to be ready to do at the next grade level as well.
0: That's a really exciting venture to be kind of like the pioneers of that. So yes. I know how exciting that has to be for you. Uh, now, uh, one of the things, because um, I do follow you on Twitter, I was, we were just talking, I love to follow you and because and, your posts are always so much fun. I'm like, I just want to be a student there. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but within your title, uh, you know, there's digital literacy, but also a school climate presenter. So talk to me a little bit more about what that means. And the reason I'm asking is thinking about, as a new principal because this isn't your first school. So whether you're a brand new principal or you're a principal at a brand new school uh, or whatever the case may be, talk to me about that school culture and climate we know is is the pinnacle of the success right uh and so talk to me about what that looks like and, and just some kind of general advice that you have for principals regardless of where they're at as it relates to whether it's you've got a whole building full of new teachers or you're the brand new principal where do you get started with that
1: yeah that's a great question i think it's so very important um and it's interesting, too, because I, I feel like lots of things that I do, I've been doing for 13 years, um, and I feel like sometimes it gets old. But when I look at it big picture, it's not old because you are always having new teachers. You're I've been in different buildings, and it's all very relevant and important information. So I think probably the most important thing is um, I, I, I don't spend very much time in the school office which my office staff really doesn't like because they can't (laughs) Um, but i think that is the most important thing because i'm in classrooms and out in the school supporting teachers and and seeing kids in their environment Um, and i think that is the most important thing Um, i'll never forget when i started my very first principal job in the first week a a very veteran teacher called the office because she had a problem with a kid And immediately the secretary told me and I went up to the classroom and knocked on the door and she said, Mr. Eckhart, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you called the office and you wanted help. And she said, in the 27 years, I have never had an administrator respond so quickly to a concern that I had about a student. And I'll never forget that because I was so telling that I was new. So we hadn't built a rapport yet. We didn't really know each other. Um, but from that moment on, she knew that I would support her no matter what was going on um, and no matter what the issue was. So I think that is probably one of the most important things is, is teachers, teachers and staff members just knowing that you're there to support them and you're um, responding as quickly as you can to things, whether they're big or small, um, and, and then figuring out the situation. But knowing that you're in their corner for sure helps the culture and climate um, quickly.
0: Absolutely. So you had mentioned that you've got, you know, new teachers, some veteran teachers Uh, when you've and I know that you're new to your school this year, but previously, that's kind of a juggle. And I'm sitting here as you're talking, I'm thinking like, huh, what things do I maybe need to refresh? Because my staff, for the most part, I have very little turnover. And while I keep things going, sometimes we forget. You know, like, oh, there are new teachers. How do I need to to differentiate what I'm doing to support them um, and make them enmeshed in the culture and not just assume (laughs) that they know the way we do things? So what types of things do you do to make sure that you're differentiating that support for the newer teachers that you're onboarding, be it a brand new teacher or new to your building versus the way you've always done things at your building?
1: Um, I think one of the things that I do, and and luckily I think I do this subconsciously, is I, I treat every year like it's a brand new year. Um, and we're starting from scratch. So we do a lot. of We follow a, a PBIS um, system where we recognize students for doing things um, that are respectful, responsible, caring, and safe. And they get pause and and rewards for that. And And we do like a monthly assembly and things like that. But Um, teachers are very involved in that as well. And from day one at the beginning of the school year, when I meet with teachers and, and, and all staff, actually, I always, um, in our district, the way it's set up the day before school starts is the only day all year that we all get to meet as an entire staff certified and classified staff members. So that day is so very important. And we really only meet for like an hour and a half or two hours. So that's like the most important hour and a half or two hours of the whole school year. Um, but we start from scratch and talk about respect and talk about um, customer service and mm-hmm. how we're in the customer service industry, whether we like it or not, or like to acknowledge that or not. Um, when I was in college, I did an internship at Walt Disney World. And so I relate everything back to Disney and how they treat guests and, and how they're prepared and things like that. Um, and so we just spend a lot of time before school even starts, before kids come in the door, talking about what do we want it to look like for parents and kids? How do we want them to feel? Um, And the same goes for staff members as well. We want staff members to feel empowered and respected and loved in the building. And I think because we spend time on that every year, it refreshes myself. It refreshes Mm -hmm. the staff members that have been there for a while um, and kind of teaches people that are new what our expectations are and lays that foundation.
0: I think uh, So I heard two things there that I want to touch on a little bit. The first one is that customer service approach. Uh, Prior to going into education, I worked in customer service for quite some time myself. That's when my front office staff was like, how do you remain so calm with this? Because, (laughs) you know, all those customer service skills I'm digging deeply with. And so I think... Sometimes subconsciously we do that, but I love that you're, <clears throat> that you're you're directly referencing that because while a school is not necessarily a business per se, <laughs> the operational component of it, when we think about it through the lens of customer service. I think sometimes that does change the lens for people just just a little bit. So there's that piece, and then now it all makes sense. That I know that you worked at Disney for a moment. Well, everything <laughs> I see feels like Disney, and I love that. I know, in fact, one year um, our start back to school was, you know, how could we design a school that made kids as excited to walk in our building as they are to walk into Disney World? Like sure. how, could, how it should feel that magical, right? Right, um, right. And so now look, now it all makes sense. <laughs> everything yeah. you do has that welcome to the magic of Disney feel. So, so I love that you've paid that forward. So well, Ryan, you, um you've tr- obviously done so many things within your career to be proud of, but I am going to ask you to narrow it down um, to one thing. If you want to expand upon one thing that you feel the most proud of in your leadership tenure, and it doesn't have to be from this, this year. Uh, what would you, what would you say that is?
1: Um. Wow. There are so many things that you do each year and then over multiple years. (laughs) um, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is finding ways to empower kids. So very early on um, in my leadership career, um, as a teacher, I coached Lego robotics at our school um, through First Lego League, which is a national program Mm -hmm. and continue to do that um when i got into leadership um because it's a great way to still connect with kids it was it's like an after school club the way that we set it up um and i at the time was working in a district that had extremely high poverty um the school i was at was 85% free and reduced lunch and lots of these kids their parents hadn't um gone to any sort of schooling after high school or anything like mm-hmm. that and lots of kids in this district are counted out before they even get to high school. Mm -hmm. And we had a a Lego robotics team and I was coaching it and just teaching kids the ins and outs and public speaking and presentation, which is all a component of it. And we got nominated at the state tournament um, as the core values representative for the state. So um, just like our school has be respectful, responsible, caring, and safe, First Lego league has core values that all teams are expected to follow and learn. And, and really they're just values that you apply to life. But our team was nominated to at the state competition to show the best of those core values and everything that we did. And so we got to travel to Atlanta, Georgia for the world festival, um, oh, wow. and compete against teams from all over the country or all over the world. Um, so I had these eight, nine and 10 year olds because we were a K five school And we were competing against 13 and 14-year-olds from Saudi Arabia um, and other countries. And I will, will never forget this experience because it helped the kids realize that there are so many things beyond the walls of our school and beyond the town that they lived in. Mm-hmm. And we traveled on a bus from Northwest Indiana to Atlanta, Georgia. Only one of the parents was able to come because none of the rest could afford it. So they like signed their kids off to me and a couple of chaperones, which was really scary at the time because I'm taking these 11 kids to Georgia from Indiana. Um, and most of them had never been out of the state. Some had never been out of the hotel or never been at a hotel. Wow. Um, But it was an amazing experience. We got to compete, like I said, against all teams from all over the country. Um, We won an award at the World Festival um, for overcoming obstacles. Um, So that's probably, if not the most, um, one of the most things I'm proud of is just finding ways to empower kids and teaching them that the opportunities are endless. And I still keep in touch with kids that are on that team and they're like 25 now or something like that. And in college for engineering and marketing Uh and graphic design, um, it's just amazing to be able to kind of help ignite a flame and um, see where it takes them.
0: I think that story warms my heart so much because I can hear in in yourself, like I I like to consider myself, like I will always be a teacher first and at heart. It's always going to be my favorite job. Um, You know, as we become principals, we don't get to see that direct impact as much as we did as a classroom teacher. Uh, So, you know, hearing that and the impact that you can have because you just never know when one little thing you can say or do is really going to truly change the trajectory for a kid. You know, I mean, and I don't want to sound too cliche, here but you, you know I, I think about I read something the other day uh, and I forget where I was reading. maybe on LinkedIn or something like that I was just talking about you know being a change maker and you know I, I don't take that lightly you know when you say things like that like your role with these kiddos truly got them on the path they may have never considered engineering or robotics or anything like right. that yeah. um, and I think that also speaks to just the power of to your point empowering kids but also providing that access and opportunity because had you not have opened their eyes up to what is possible there's a good chance that none of them would have moved beyond what they thought was possible right
1: yeah yeah Definitely, definitely.
0: So how do you continue to make that impact at the principal level?
1: Well, um, a, a couple different things. And I've always said, um, I worked in central office for a couple years, about five years back. And when I interviewed for that job and when I've interviewed for um, my, my current principal job and ones before this, I have always said to the people on the interview committee, I am not going to be a typical principal. So if that's what you're looking for, (laughs) um, I am not the right person for you. I I wear bright shoes um, and, and different shoes. And, and that's the first thing that kids notice about me. And we talk about my shoes and that's my in. Like, that's how I connect with kids, whether they're a shoe person or not, they're like, Whoa, those are some crazy shoes. Or why are you wearing different ones today? Like that's our conversation starter. And that's my thing. Um, Dr. Ecker's
0: got shoe game, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's so um, important to be able to find ways to connect with kids. So I say that when I've been interviewed for jobs because I want people to know that although I am the the leader of the building and the instructional leader, it's so important to find ways to still be able to do things to connect with kids. So currently this school year, um, because we were new, I felt like we had a great opportunity to get kids more involved. So last spring I had um, kids that we had nominated from the two elementary schools that were going to the new school be our transition coordinators. So they, Mm -hmm. I pitched questions to them on Flipgrid and then they um, recorded videos. So I asked them questions like, what types of furniture do you want in the library? Um, What types of um, equipment you wanna see on the playground? What types of things do you wanna do in gym? And so took all of their responses and kind of use that as we were planning to build the new building and order equipment and things like that so that when they walked into the library this fall they're like oh my gosh we said that we wanted like a couch and and that's what we got like it's so important i think to listen to kids and and give them a platform and in a place where they can share their thoughts and feelings and things just aren't being done to them they get to be part of it um this fall um we kind of transitioned, went to the next step, and we identified 17 kids that we call our Red Cedars Ambassadors. And so they got to be part, of, they're kind of like our kids steering committee. They got to be part of our ribbon cutting ceremony. Um, they ran our Veterans Day program. They are, we're starting a, a brand new project, um, collaborating with a hospital in Chicago. But I, I I'm essentially like the chairperson for this group, the this ambassador group, because that's my way to still connect with kids and and give them a voice, but also be able to have a pulse on their feelings and their thoughts and reactions. And for the ambassadors this year, it's funny because Parents came to our open house and said, "How we're so excited that they're an ambassador. How did they get picked for this? Like, did they didn't say anything about applying or anything?" I said, "Well, actually, all we did was the first week and a half of school. Um, my assistant principal and I are doing cafeteria duty, and we just walked around and kind of paid attention to who was who were really nice kids, who were being respectful, who are including people that seem to be left out." who are moving around and and sitting with kids that aren't having anyone to talk to. And we picked our 17 kids based on um, our observations of kids in the cafeteria. So it's not rocket science, but (laughs) we knew that it was kids that um, had a great heart and and wanted to do something for the school that was gonna make an impact.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna go with your time with them as probably some of your favorite moments on the job. Love (laughs) it,
1: for sure. Yeah, it's,
0: it's so funny with that last, uh, our last day before winter break, uh, we had a school dance um, during the day. And so I got to be dance partners with this uh, little first grader. And, and then I was taking a video. she was like, you know, will you video me? And so afterwards, she was talking about, hey, uh, can I watch me dancing on the video? And we were watching it. And like, in that moment, uh, one of my teachers caught a picture. I didn't know she took a picture of it. Uh, but she, I was like, oh, I'm gonna keep this and put this out forever. Because right, exactly. It, it, it is easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of what the, the job entails, <laughs> um, moving further and further away from working directly with kids. So I think those moments that we just get to embrace and empower kids, Everyone has to build that into their schedule because otherwise, my gosh, I mean, this job is too hard, right? Yes, um, right. And that's what—that's why we do it. And having those reminders <laughs> are the, my favorite part of it all. So, I agree. so, So, so thank you for that reminder of the importance of doing that. So, Ryan, one of the things we've been talking about this season um, is that so many of the things as leaders that we feel like we've gotten really good at didn't quite start out so good at, (laughs) we had to, you know, try and, and fell forward a few times. So when you think about your own career as a leader, what are a couple of those things that you feel like I fell forward and now I'm finally starting to get the hang of it? And these are some things I think that I would be powerful for other leaders to hear about.
1: Um, that's a great question. I would say, um, kind of like what you just said there's always so much going on and it's so very easy to get lost in day-to-day operations and everyone is coming to you saying I need this I need this what should I do about this um learning how to prioritize is something I I was not very good at at the beginning (laughs) and and I feel like I've gotten better um I Spend a lot of time during the day, like I said, out and around the building, and I I wasn't always like that. Um, I think I quickly learned maybe year three, two or three of an administration. Um, if I just sit in the office and wait for problems to come to me, I'm not going to be happy when I leave any day of the week. Um, so I consciously leave the office to make an effort to touch base with kids that I know have been struggling or touch base with teachers that I know have kids in their class. And so they've been struggling um, with certain things or behaviors or things like that. Um, it's so very important to have a pulse on the on the building in the school i i feel pretty confident when a parent calls me and they say what their kid's name is 95 percent of the time i know what classroom that kid is in before their parent has to say something and that's something i'm really proud of and that's awesome i i know that because i'm out in the classroom so when i'm in the classrooms i'm i'm paying very close attention to who's in the class and and how they're responding to the teacher um I also pride myself in knowing kids' names. So when I see them at the grocery store in the community, um, I'm, I'm saying their name. And especially this year, because we're a new school, so half of the kids, I came from their school. The other half of the kids, I didn't know them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they see me and I'm like, hey, Gianna or whatever. And their parents are like, who is that guy talking <laughs> to you? <laughs> um, so it's a little weird. Um, but I think that's probably the most important thing I've learned is, is just finding a way to touch base with kids, get to know kids, um, and making it a priority. I think it's very, very easy to not make it a priority because there's so many other things that happen. Um, and you just have to prioritize and and figure out what you need to do during the day. And then what can you do when kids aren't in the building anymore?
0: So Ryan, you know, theoretically that sounds fantastic. Have you found a way kind of like a system, if you will, that has allowed you to, I guess, you know, optimize your time while in the building, but at the same time, because I know that you're a <laughs> husband, and father as well, and you, right. you can't save it all for after hours. Right. So have you found a system that allows you to... Uh, How do you go about making priorities, I guess, when everything sometimes seems like it wants to be a priority?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think um, one thing that I've done is the last couple of years, I jumped on the um, bandwagon of mobile desks. And so I have a mobile desk um, that's just on a a cart that I take out into the hallways. And so I try to be on that desk in the main hallways or wherever there's a lot of action. essentially in passing periods when kids are going to specials
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: or recess or things like that. And then in between those times when there aren't a lot of kids in the halls, I jump on my computer and am able to, to crank out some things that need to get done um, and then take breaks and go into classrooms and, and be visible and things like that. So that has helped me because I, I feel like when you go back to the office Um, and it's quiet, at least the way my building is set up, it's quieter. You don't really hear a lot of what's going on. It's easy to get trapped and forget that, oh, an hour just went by and I need Mm -hmm. to do other things too. So the mobile desk has definitely helped. Um, and I think teachers really like that too, because then they come to me and they may say, Hey, I sent you an email about this, but since I see you now, let me just ask you. And, and that helps me too, because then when I go to my emails and I see, oh, these three emails from three teachers, I just saw them in the hallway. So I don't need to respond to this anymore, because we already talked about it type thing. Um, So staff definitely likes that because um, they're able to find me. And it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's much better to connect in person than through Mm -hmm. email and have a conversation about pressing matters or things that teachers are wondering. Um, So that's definitely helped.
0: So, Ryan, you've talked about a lot of great things um, that you do to be such an amazing principal. But when you reflect back upon when you are going through leadership prep, um, and again, I, I realize that there, there is no course that can fully prepare you for this job. Uh, but are there a few things that you think, wow, if I could give some recommendations to leadership prep courses, they need to start including this? What would that be?
1: Well, one is you and I talked about customer service. And I think one of the most important things that I wish I had learned more about was how to handle upset parents and difficult situations. Mm -hmm. Um, When I probably two months into my first admin job, I was an assistant principal and I started in January, which is not a great time to start as an assistant principal, (laughs) probably the worst time of the school year to start. Um. But very soon, my my principal was amazing. She she let me do a lot of things without holding my hand, and um, I I later learned that she was letting me fail so that I would learn from my mistakes in some situations instead of just guiding me through everything where I wouldn't learn as much. Um, but I remember one parent that was very very upset with me about something that happened at school, and the way I reacted and responded was And, um, at the time I didn't know any different because I hadn't really been put in that situation before. Um, but reflecting as soon as it happened and a week later and a month later, and now 10, 12 years later, um, I know what I could have done differently. And I've learned from that. And, and I think I do a, a much better job now, Um, working with parents that are upset, making sure that I'm listening to them and hearing their concern and validating their concern and staying calm. But I don't think I learned anything about that in, in leadership prep, um, in graduate school at any point. And I think that's so very important. And I think as leaders, we also need to teach our teachers those things, because if we didn't learn it in school, they probably didn't learn in school either. And um, parents and and caregivers that are upset don't always come to the principal they sometimes go to the teacher and oftentimes they probably go to the teacher first and so we need to help our teachers be prepared for how to handle things like that um, and give them the tools that that definitely is something I I wish I had learned
0: That's, you know, that's a great take on that because I know several guests have just talked about like handling difficult conversations, but I think most of the guests have talked through the lens of with teachers. Um, but, But that customer service element, you know, once you start to master some of the basics of just, like you said, listen, validate concerns, that really is customer service with anyone. And, and I think as as principals, yes, we definitely need that as APs. Yes. <laughs> but, but to your point, I think that's a really great think through that we're not always the first stop. In fact, we, yeah. you know, we often encourage families don't come to us first because most right. times you can work it out with your teacher. But if you're right, if we weren't equipped as leaders of the building as to how to take that customer service lens, there's probably a really good chance that teachers weren't, prepped with that as well. Like I, I'm taking notes, like note to self, <laughs> That's what we need to talk about. So- it's
1: so important.
0: It really, it really, really is. You brought up something else that I think that I find to be very interesting. With the approach that your principal, you say she took, was letting allowing you to fail forward. Uh, that, like, I'm sitting here like, <gasps> <laughs> that, that's uh, so. Talk to me about. Um, do you take that approach with your assistant principal, or or uh, some some of that? Um, how are you utilizing your? growing up, if you will, as an assistant principal, how are you utilizing what you learned as as an assistant principal? And how are you applying that as the principal for your assistant principal?
1: Sure. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting question because um, in my admin career, I've been in two positions as a principal where I've had an assistant Mm -hmm. um, and then other positions where I have not had an assistant. And the first assistant I had had 20 more years experience than me. And so I went to her with lots of questions because she had amazing experiences and and great guidance and leadership and things like that. So with that assistant, we kind of talked at the beginning and and decided who's going to handle what type of responsibilities Mm -hmm. and which types of things are we going to talk to each other about. and, And I didn't. I felt like I didn't really do a ton of leading or guiding because she had the experiences that I did not have. Mm-hmm. Um, in my current situation, my AP is coming straight from being a teacher, so okay. she does not have that admin experience yet. Um, so we spent um, really this whole for actually we worked together last quarter of last school year. She came and and luckily was able to work at my school with me every day. Um, and had someone else take over her classroom. So we worked together in my previous school in the same district. Um, So we worked through lots of things there. But this semester, we set the ground rules at the beginning and essentially said, we're going to do everything together as much as possible so that we can learn about each other and how we handle things differently and similarly. Um, And it's funny that you asked this, because last week um, I said to someone in our building, I feel like it's time because she is now handling some things that we were doing together and she's confident enough to know what my expectation is, but also know that she can make a decision and have some autonomy as well. So I think that's important to spend time um, doing things together with your assistant um, so that you can learn about each other and and, and share um, ideas and opinions and um, my assistant and I have different approaches to lots of different things, which is Mm -hmm. nice because I say, this is how I would do it. How would you do it? Mm -hmm. And then we talk about it and, and find the middle most of the time. Um, or a couple of times lean towards my opinion or lean towards hers, just depending on the situation. But I think it's very important, just like we want to scaffold in the classroom for kids. Mm -hmm. I think it's important when we're training a new leader to scaffold for them as well and, and spend some time, um, working very closely with them before you start to pull back.
0: Yeah, I agree. I um so the first 5 years of my principalship we in my district, we didn't have assistant principals. Um, and with that, so with that being said, I never had the opportunity to be an assistant principal. So it was, I was an sure. instructional coach and went straight to being the principal. And then I remember when the year that we got assistant principals, I spent my first year like, what do I do with this person? You know, because <laughs> you you've, I've done the job for the last five years with myself. What do I, was myself and our counselor. And it was like, right. what do I do with this? You know, so it, it, took, it took me some refining on, okay. How to properly utilize, and then um, and then we were together for ten years, and then last year uh, I was uh, my assistant principal took a different role, and I and I had got a new assistant principal, and so it allowed me the opportunity, like you said, and and I noticed the importance of that that calibration, um, of you know let's do so many things together, which doesn't often pay off from like a, a, a time efficiency piece. Right. In, yeah. in, in, in the short term, but in the long term it really does because like you said, I think it's really important for for you all to be on the same page with the big things, uh, so that people don't try to, you know, mom and pop you, if you will. Right. Uh, but and to calibrate, you know, and to understand each other's strengths and and really to to build a plan. So so I, I think that's a really great approach. And you know, we kind of likened it to a class, you know, in the classroom, you spend so much time front loading with classroom management so that you don't have to keep revisiting as much throughout the year. So that's kind of the way it's exactly. an early, it's an investment up front. But once you've made that kind of a deep foundational investment, then things really start to get going.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree.
0: So Ryan, what, um, you know, opening a new school sounds exciting, but also challenging, but it might not be your most challenging experience that you've faced as a leader. So I'm going to ask you in your time as a leader, what do you consider to be the toughest challenge that you faced? And then how did you go about overcoming it?
1: Well, it definitely is a challenge to open a new school and it's not like I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Um, every day there's something else that you find out that um, isn't what someone expected or just questions or, or lots of um, loose ends that haven't been tied or you don't know when they're going to be tied. Um, but I'd say that's not my biggest challenge. Um, I'd say my biggest challenge, and I, I don't feel like I've overcome it yet. I feel like I'm, I'm learning tools to help me overcome it um but my biggest challenge I feel is dealing with kids that uh, are are dealing with the mental health and well-being of kids um specifically when kids lose a parent or guardian Mm. um one of probably my hardest day in my entire career before school started, I found out that one of our very challenging students um, who had one guardian and that was the entire family, um, the guardian passed away.
0: Oh my goodness. And
1: I'll never, it's one of those days you never forget where you were and, Mm -hmm. and how you responded. And I, it, maybe like one of the only two times in my 19 year career that I've cried at school. Mm -hmm. Um, because um, as soon as you hear that, you think what on earth are we going to do to help this kid? Mm -hmm. Um, this kid has had 4 million more struggles than I have had in my life. And this kid is eight or nine. Um, and so I think learning it, I, I haven't overcome it, but I think what i've I've learned is when kids have loss, we can't fix it, but what we can do is control how we react and support them. Um, and I feel like um a whole different conversation is mental health in schools right now and the amount of counselors and therapists that we need. Um, but like I said, that's a different conversation. but um, I think it's important that we let our staff know, how we're going to um, help support kids when they go through hard times, whether it's losing someone in their family or, or something different. Um, we've had some kids that have had like house fires and stuff like that. And all of that is terrible and, and we can't do anything about it, but we can control how we respond to it. So um, just wrapping around the kids with all the supports we have. Um, and I think that's one of the times that you really learn that your school is about kids because it's not just the classroom teacher and the counselor that are doing something like teachers and paraprofessionals that have never really interacted with the kids say what can i do to help can i make a meal can i get a gift card can i do whatever um and so i think that's also um what has helped us come together more as units in the buildings i've worked in is working together in, in very hard times that kids have and, and finding ways to help support them and help them know that when they're at school, it's a safe place mm-hmm. and it's a caring place. And, and when they come to school and something terrible has just happened to them, if they're having a bad day and they do no work, like who cares? Like right. Let's make sure that we make sure that they feel loved and supported and safe and, and when they're ready, we'll help them through their work. But I think that's probably the toughest challenge that I've had. And I feel like I continue to have. And I mean, I guess everybody probably continues mm-hmm. to have it. Um, but how we respond to it, I think, is is the most important.
0: And I think you bring about a really good point, Ryan, because I know, you know, we had talked earlier about your first day back being one of the most critical Times of the year is to kind of set that stage for what do we believe about kids? How do we how do we respond twin? when? And I think that, you know, that's pretty typical for schools, but I don't think that we always think through the nuances of these tragedies. And I don't just mean the the reactive of, of you know taking food and things like that, because I think to your point, when you have a strong climate and community like you have, that's a no-brainer. But the whole piece about like, so if they're going to sleep in class today, we're going to be okay with that because they're here. Right. Um, and I don't think that we always think about how are we, and while you can't respond, you know, think through every single situation, but, you know, kind of revisiting that um, that lens of empathy versus sympathy too, because I think people will usually fall on one side or the other. And I know that, you know, damage can be done when it's too, too sympathetic, you know, because then we start to lower expectations and, and, you know, and unfortunately we all have those kiddos who, to your point, it's like, not that you want bad things to happen to anyone, but you're like, Could could one more thing happen to this kid? Right. Right. Um, And and then you have to start with that lens of how do we wrap our our arms around and support this child, but also understand that this is the reality life has handed them and how do we equip them to be able to be resilient enough to bounce back? And not fall apart, you know, and especially more in the elementary, right? Because it's like, how how do we plant those seeds enough for resilience to to continue them on? So, so that's yeah, that's those are tough. You know, the guest I had um, last week, one of the things we talked about too was the was the other piece of that was, and then how do we as leaders? 'Cause we, you and I both know we can never really turn the job off, right? <laughs> um, I know, yeah, exactly. But but how but how particularly on situations like this, because I, I tell people sometimes like sometimes I feel like this job makes me a little callous. You know, I cried all the time when I was you know, every everything <laughs> was like, Oh, oh, I can't believe this. And over time, it, it it's sad to say. But tragedy sometimes becomes the norms for for yeah. kids, um, and so and trauma definitely is becoming more of a norm for kids and adults, sadly enough. And so, how do we, um, how do we as as leaders, develop that capacity to support, and then not fall apart because we take it all home with us ourselves? Have right. you have you found a trick to that, Ryan?
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't.
0: Yeah, that's that that's a tough one, um, particularly on the situations to where you know schools can be amazing places and they are amazing places, but at the end of the day, schools as a as an single entity can only do so much right? right so like especially when you feel like as a school entity we've done all that we can do but you know the kids need more like right. that's 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 what my guest and i talked about last week a little bit was uh when you know they need more but as a school there's it's, it's beyond you know the system right. is set up and it's beyond what you can do as a school for yourself so right. i, I you know, i'm always curious to know for and talk with leaders who if, you, if you've unlocked the secret <laughs> to that Please share it because I know that's something, you know, that we all, particularly post-pandemic, because now we're, you know, we're we're continuing to support increased kid mental health needs. Right. We right. also are now having an increased adult mental health support need Um, and then while at the same time learning how to support and protect our own mental and health support needs as leaders which kind of brings me to the next question is centered around boundaries and just about everybody I've talked to is like I kind of suck at that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I I still want to you know bring it about to being mindful uh, that you know, as, as superheroish as we attempt to be, you know, we will burn out ourselves if we're not mindful of how we're establishing boundaries for our own selves. So talk to me about some ways that you've attempted to put boundaries in place to protect yourself, your mental health, your time with your family.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not great at this, but th- I've done a couple of things recently that I I'm pretty proud of finally. Um, but before I share that, I think, And something that I forget and I try to model, but then I forget it again is I know I need to set boundaries, (laughs) um, but I also very rarely have conversations with teachers about setting boundaries. And when I'm reminding myself I need to set boundaries, I think to myself. I need to tell teachers this, like, I need to tell them it's okay to not respond to parents on mm-hmm. Saturday mm-hmm. or Saturday or whatever it may be. Yep. I need to tell them just because they got a message doesn't mean you have to respond in the, within the hour or whatever. I mean, we have like a 24 hour response rule or, or something. Uh-huh. like that. Um, but I, I need to do a better job of telling teachers that it's okay because I feel like, Part of the climate and culture we have is teachers that I work with know that I have extremely high expectations. Mm-hmm. And so I think they are,, um, I, I guess this goes both ways, but they don't want to let me down and they don't want to um, not fulfill the expectations that are put on them. Um, but I think in the same breath, they are, they often forget, or 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 maybe they don't forget. Maybe they just um, don't want to let down the expectations. And so, if something happens with their kid, and and they're like, you know, my my kid got sick, and I have to go home, but I, I know I shouldn't. Things like that. I, I mean, I say to I they come and tell me this, and it's like lunchtime. I'm like, go, like right. <laughs> we'll take care of it. Like your kids are more important than this job type thing. Yes. Um and. I'm thankful for the people that come to me and say something to me in person. I mean, we, we had a couple of people this year who lost someone in their family, like mm-hmm. a, a parent. Um, and I'm like, go, oh, like take five, whatever you need, yes. like take the time. Um, and I, I need to do a better job of sharing that with teachers because I feel like they have they put so much pressure mm-hmm. on themselves. To do their job and be there all the time, that that their personal life suffers just like administrators' personal life suffers. Right. So, um, um, Adam, welcome. Who uh, is a administrator and speaker, told me probably four years ago um, that I needed to take email off my phone, <laughs> and and I knew why he said that, but I just it was too important, you know. Um, <laughs> Well, so finally this summer I took email off my phone and other than I think two times where I've put it back on because I've been somewhere and I didn't have a computer and I need to send an attachment or something, I've kept it off my phone. And this has been huge for me because now when I'm out in the halls at school, I may take pictures and then tweet them, mm-hmm. but I'm not on my email because I can't be because it's not on my phone. Um, and so I'm able to better be in the moment with kids and teachers and observe what's going on in classrooms and be part of lessons and things like that. Um, And it's helped me personally, because when we're out at dinner as a family or shopping or whatever... I'm not reading through emails and then forwarding it to myself to remind myself that I need to <laughs> respond to it later and all of that stuff. So it's it's not a huge thing, but I, it definitely has given me time back after school hours. And I feel like it's given me time during the school day to be more um, purposeful with my time. And then when I do go back to my computer, I check my email and respond to things I need to right away or leave things that... I'm instead of in my pocket all of the time, so it's it's definitely helped me um, be more present.
0: Yeah, I, I applaud you on that. I had a guest, gosh, I believe it was oh, season two, um, and she had mentioned that that with around a boundary question. And and, and when I hear that, and I, I had Adam on a couple of seasons ago as well, and I think he said that to, to me as well. And I, it still gives me anxiety. Ron, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> because like, so I have to weigh it for myself. So, so what I've done is I've turned off the notification part of sure. my email. So that way, if I check it, it's because I've chosen to, right. but I noticed that I'm at the stoplight. You know, I, 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 I do so good for so long, but it's like, okay, I've got three minutes. What can I take care of? But the thing I'm noticing is what you said is that that doesn't allow me to be fully present. And that's, that's, so it's kind of like, Hmm. So, so that's great that you got the email responded to, but what, what did you sacrifice in the meantime? So I applaud you because I think you say (laughs) that's a little thing. I think that's a huge thing and a big celebration that you're able to do that. Well, thanks. (laughs) Anything else you found that's working great?
1: Um, no, for boundaries, not really. (laughs) I mean, you asked, you asked earlier about, um, because I'm out in the building, like, how do I get certain things done? I do end up, I I do often get, especially during evaluation season,
0: oh, um,
1: yes. <laughs> like October, November, and then like February, March, I get up and write my teacher evaluations before school in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't do them during school because I want to be present in the classrooms and things like that. And I need dedicated time to be able to do it because if I start something like that, I don't want to be interrupted. Um, and then by the time I get home and my kids are doing stuff and we're at sports and then it's nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, I'm too tired to do right. it. So, so I get up early, uh, like a couple hours before everybody else in the morning and, and do work. Then um, I find that beneficial because it's quiet in my house and I'm able to get a lot done. Um, And I'm not distracted, I'm not falling asleep, things like that. Um, So that helps me um, with boundaries. I mean, it's things I'm doing at home, but I feel like anyone in education is doing things at home, whether they say they are or not, um, whether they're looking for teaching ideas or grading papers or or whatever it may be. So I find that if I dedicate that time in the morning specifically to evaluations, when those have to get done, I I get it done. And and my mind is there and I'm present um, and able to get it done. So that, that helps me. And, um, it gives me a little time back at night to be with my family too.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if you're like me, it doesn't, you don't feel quite as guilty if you will, when everybody's sleeping. Correct. Mean, that's the way, that's, that's the way I feel like, like yeah. if the house is quiet. What else would I be doing sleeping or watching TV or reading, which well, is all, you good. It. And, but at the same time, I may as well be productive. So, right. so I, I love that first day, that reminder of first thing in the morning. All right, Ryan. So you mentioned Adam a little bit, and then a lot of the things you're talking about leads me to believe that you also have a strong connection with Todd Nesloni as well, just because listening through the Health student leadership piece, I would have to think that you are somewhat close to him as well. So um, we know that we are one another's best resources because, you know, whether it's to lean on or to get great ideas from or affirmations or, you know, just encouragement. Um, Who are two or three people that if other educators aren't connected, whether it's you know, via Twitter or a book they've written or a blog they've written. Um, Who are two or three people that you think if you're not connected with this person as an educator, you need to be?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I have like four, if that's okay. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, we talked really briefly about Adam. Welcome. Um, Todd Nessaloni completely agree. Um, I read their book, uh, kids deserve it a few years ago when it first came out and that's mm-hmm. really what has sparked my interest in doing more for kids and, and giving me specific ways to start. Um, I think I, I had certain things I wanted to do and there were a few things that I already did. Like like coaching robotics and things like that. But I didn't really know what to do next or how to get started. So their book got me started. Um, somebody that I've been watching a lot recently um, because we're our school, our student ambassadors are essentially partnering with a program he started is Jonathan As- Ashmeyer, Ashmer, um, a teacher in Virginia. He started a foundation called A Ray of Hope. Um, and so they are collecting items to donate to hospitals to give to kids that have chronic or um, other illnesses and have extended stays in hospitals. Mm. And so he put out a challenge to schools around the country to do the same thing. So our student ambassadors are taking this on at our school and um, we partnered with Shriners Hospital, Shriners Children's Hospital of Chicago and um, we have a student who has been going there since she was born um, because she was born with a cleft palate. And so, actually, right before um, winter break, a week uh, about a week ago, she presented to our student ambassadors and kind of just talked about like her experience at the hospital when she was a littler. And she still goes back um, to have appointments and things like that. And talked about the importance of having activities and care packages and things to do when you have all these appointments at a hospital and you're a kid and you don't want to be there and you're scared. Um, And so after break, when we come back in January, we're going to start collecting items um, and then packaging it in boxes and care packages and donating it to Shriners Hospital in Chicago. And that all came from Jonathan and his Array of Hope program. Um, So I'm super excited about that. But just the the power of following people and, and seeing what mm-hmm. other people are doing and how can you make an impact in your area as well um, has been inspired by him for sure.
0: Well, and helping kids see the impact they can make. I, you know, nice. I've been, I've been really um, leaning into that this year as well as helping kids um, understand that, you know, cause kids sometimes are like, well, I'm just a kid. Uh, nope. You're not, right. you know, well, so any, any time I, you know, one of our students, suggest something. And I'm not saying I say yes to everything, but I try to say yes to as much as I can within reason, just to show them particularly when they, you know, they're putting together this persuasive uh, presentation. I know we had a student a couple of, gosh, about a month ago, she came to me and she was talking to me about, she said, you know, Miss Hanley, I'd really like to do, I think we should have a national flag day here at Kenwood. And typically that's in, I think, June or July. Um, and Thanks. she said, but because we're not in school in the summertime and we have such a large international population, she says, I think we should do it on um, the National Day of Giving. She said, because what we would be giving is learning from one another's cultures. OK, right. So awesome. I was I was blown That's away. Awesome. I was like, are you kidding me? So, of course, we're doing this. Uh, and she she was just so humbled and, and like, oh, oh, my goodness. So, you know, she took time. I was like, well, I'll tell you what. Give me some information on it. You know, I pretty much said, write me a letter. She went beyond that. She did this whole Google slide presentation that she presented to me, and I was blown away. Uh, And so, helping them see that the advocacy piece, but that their voice, they can make a difference. Um, I think that's such a powerful piece because I think that kids will never forget that. You know, when they Thanks grow up, sure. they think when I was in the you know fifth grade or whatever, I remember when I and and much like your story with the robotics, you never know when one small decision you make as a leader is going to truly change the trajectory of a child's life.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's so important to just, I mean, like we've been talking about, empower kids. Like um something that gets me and, and I was actually watching a video last night to to prepare for um, our talk, but uh, a school that I used to work at has this amazing third grade teacher, and she does great things in the classroom. But what I love most about her is she started a news show at school and has this huge team of kids that do these recorded news programs, and it is top notch. And so, anybody listening that wants to, to see what kids can do. Um, and these are elementary kids, K to six, um, but search on YouTube, Lincoln's roaring news. They're the lions. So it's roaring. Uh Um, but they do their recordings in front of a green screen and then put all these graphics together. And there's so many different kids involved and they're so energetic and excited. And, and something that I've always gone back to is I've done a ton of, of fun and exciting things with kids at the elementary level. And and this is something that she's doing with kids at the elementary level. But I think it's so important to challenge our secondary teachers and administrators to say, if we're doing this at the elementary level, secondary kids for sure should be doing this. And then they should be going above and beyond this because they're twice the age, but like I feel like so many times we get stuck in a rut of when you're in high school, like you're going through the motions because you need to check the boxes and do certain things. But like if we have elementary kids producing a news program or elementary kids competing in robotics or elementary kids being ambassadors and and partnering with a hospital, high school kids should be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And how do we make sure that that's happening? So kids from K all the way to 12 have these opportunities.
0: Absolutely. And getting plugged in. I mean, we know that, you know, we are lucky in the sense that um, I feel like our kids are most excited about school, right? In elementary. But to your point, like, I don't ever want kids to lose that excitement. My daughters are both, have both graduated from from school. Uh, But, you know, throughout, I would remember when I would see their teachers and and every once in a while in middle or high school, they would have that one that I would see that would reignite their passion for learning. And and to your point, like, that's be k-12 like that passion for learning and plugged in should be there all the time
1: yeah agree all, right.
0: all right so you said adam and todd and jonathan you mentioned you had four so who's your
1: fourth um andy jacks
0: um, Like <laughs> i'm gonna have to get andy on the show because i he has been the most mentioned guest mine oh my gosh <laughs> you have to
1: you have to he um so i follow like everything that he does have been to some presentations of his um but the thing that that got me the most is he does, um, a weekly summary or recap of what's going on in the school. So he just videotapes things throughout the week in his school and then throws them together in a video. And, um, right now I do a weekly email to our families and say like, these things happen this week, this is what's coming up next week. And there was a time where I was doing a really good job of doing videos and putting them in, um, editing them together really quickly, and then just putting them in the newsletter too. Parents loved it because they got to see what was going on in classrooms. And so I would have a kid or a teacher, i pull them aside and be like, hey, just tell me really quick, 30 seconds, like, what are you guys working on right now? And just videotape them with my phone doing it. And he inspired me to do that because how often do our families not really know what's going on in the school every day. Like they they see posts that somebody's making. It's probably somebody that's not even in the school or somebody that isn't (laughs) in the classrooms. Right. Um, And then their kid comes home and they say, what did you do in school today? And they say nothing. Um, But if they have like a two, three minute video that just shows like glimpses of what's going on in the classroom, it's so much more meaningful and impactful. And they're like, oh my gosh, they were doing great things. Or who's that teacher? That class looks awesome. Like yeah. he inspired me to do that. And I need to get back to doing that. I did it really well for a while. Um, and then life happened. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, 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 love I, that. I, I love that. And I'm going to have to check that out. Um, is Are his videos accessible by anyone? Or just do you have to be as part of his school community to accept? access those.
1: I believe he has them on YouTube somewhere. Okay.
0: Okay. I'm going to check that because that's been a goal of mine for the past two years. Uh, our superintendent puts out a weekly a video kind of, you know, message to us as principals. And so I keep thinking like, I'm going to do the same thing with families. And I think I've done two, <laughs> <laughs> <It's, laughs> you know, and I get so hard. proud of those, But but to your point, it's like, and then life happens. So so I've got to, that's one of the things that I'm going to make a top priority for myself next year and really figure out how do I can con- sustain that. Because that's, you know, I'm big about, okay, if we've got a plan and we're going to try something new, what's a sustainable plan? Um, and so I do so good with that with so many big things, like from a school perspective, but my individual challenges to myself, I don't always think through the sustainability. <laughs> like, yeah, I can do that and conquer the world at the same time.
1: Right, so, Exactly.
0: So I do have one other question, Ryan. So I know one of your hashtags uh, is is Principles in Action. Talk to me a little bit about that hashtag.
1: So Principles in Action. um, I started following that hashtag a couple years ago, and there were uh, several principles that were behind that, Adam Welcome being one of them. Um, And I got a lot of great ideas just from that. Um, And essentially, that's what prompted me to really be conscious about being out of the classroom or out of the office and in Mm -hmm. classrooms and got me connected with other people for like good news call of the day and um, just showcasing what we do. Um, Todd Nassiloni talks a lot about um, if you don't tell your story, someone else is going to, and you need to tell the positive things that's going on about your school because no one ever shares the positive things. They just attack you or share the negative things that are going on. And so that's something I talked to my staff about too. At that beginning of the year meeting, I say, we, we want to be the talk of the town and Mm -hmm. we want people to be talking about our school name and saying the good things that are going on. And I want all of you as teachers for whenever anyone searches your name on Google, I want all these amazing things to come up because of what you've done at school. And and we go through the Google activity and have them type in their name in a Google search and see what comes up. And they're like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't even me. Like, I'm like, because no one's telling your story. You need to put things out there and share the great things that you do as a teacher, as an educator, um, because we want people to know how amazing you are and all the great ideas you have. And so Principles in Action has just, reminded me um, of, of what I need to do to be effective and connecting with kids. And it's one of the like nine bracelets that I wear every day that um, <laughs> just reminds me of my purpose mm-hmm. and um, what I need to do to make sure that kids are, are feeling successful and empowered.
0: I love that. I definitely love that. All right, final question, Ryan. What are three words that other people who know you would use to describe you?
1: Ooh, um dedicated, energetic, and supportive.
0: I can I, look. I I always wish that I would write things down as I go. That's going to be my new challenge to myself and see. I, I guess, right? You know, because just just hearing these encounters, uh, I can kind of pick up through through the. Uh, I feel like I'm very intuitive and kind of can hear through some of these things. And many times I'm like, oh yeah, I would have said that too. So <laughs> so thank you. So Ryan, you have shared so many great things. And if anybody who follows you sees you're doing so much greatness with your school and beyond. So if someone would want to follow up with you, uh, you know, get in touch with your blog or or you know. Just check in to hear more about something you said today. What's the best way to reach you?
1: Um, probably the, the best and uh, easiest way to remember is just on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is Ryan C. And then Eckhart, E-C-K-A-R-T, Ryan C. Eckhart. Um, and I, I respond to messages and am on Twitter probably more than I should be. But just looking, <laughs> looking for great ideas to borrow from other people that are doing great things.
0: All right, Ryan, I know I'm, I'm, I'm really partial to conference being a conference attendee. So are you going to any great conferences, educational conferences this upcoming year?
1: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, planning on going to NAESP. Um, and um, last summer presented at that with a great friend from New York and amazing opportunity and experience. And that's the only thing on the agenda right now, but we'll see what happens.
0: All right. Well, I'm hoping to be there as well. So I'm awesome. So when I see you in person, we're going to selfie and then put that on Twitter. So perfect.
1: Sounds great.
0: All right, Ryan, thanks so much for being with me here today.
1: Hey, thanks, Jill. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Have a great rest of your school year. If you enjoyed this episode, you can't lead from the front office. Please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Now, friends, if this is your first episode or you've not heard any of the amazing guests we've had this season or any of the previous seasons, I encourage you to check them out. I'd really love to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to make sure that you get automatic episode updates each week. In fact, do it right now so that you don't forget. And while you're doing things, I'd love for you to go ahead and leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, because I really make it a point to read every single one of the reviews that I get. And finally, friends, if we are not connected on Twitter and LinkedIn, let's change that status. We are our own best resources. All right, as you go about this week, I hope you're getting some much needed rest and relaxation. And while you're reflecting on this year, don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve and what am I doing about it?